I think that you have to realize if you're going to start a company, it takes time and effort. It's the, the comment you made before, you know, that, that big hit, it was all the 10 years in the making. Mm. I mean, you have to stick to it. You have to adapt and change to the things that come to you because it's not going to be easy. Um, so yeah, just stick to it and realize it takes time. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has grown several businesses to seven and eight figure companies, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, the um, patent, um, patent and trademark law firm that focuses on helping startups uh, and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the podcast, Greg McGregor. And just give you a quick intro. So Greg's journey started back in the in college when uh, cell phones uh, were people where people were couldn't really carry them around. They were the bigger bricks, and then you had to created the pay as you go system with prepaid uh, prepaid cards and um, gave up some of the control. And companies went bankrupt, and then rebuilt and started an AI company and quantum computing and all a bunch of things and everything in between. Learned some good lessons and. With that much as an intro, welcome to the podcast, Greg. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I gave a little bit of an intro, but go now to dive a little bit deeper into your journey. So um, tell us how you got started and where it all started for you. Well, you really brought me back to the beginning. I'd forgotten all about that. <laughs> I guess there's been a lot of adventures and so forth. I, I think uh, for me, in terms of my very first uh very first company and so forth was yeah back back in the 90s with uh with cellular as you mentioned i i uh there was a big problem with uh being able to roam with cell phones you know there was people buying cell towers and you'd have to uh uh not get a bill for like four months and have to pay extraordinary fees and so what ended up happening is all throughout europe you just couldn't roam you couldn't go anywhere except your little local town with your cell phone so i had this crazy little idea that i would uh decided to move from the big central servers all into just the phones themselves and make it a distributed system. And they all did their own accounting. I got laughed at a bunch. I even got laughed out of a couple of VCs, um, but it definitely did work. And we, it, and that was where it all started. It was kind of cool. And it's kind of never stopped up and down from then. So, you, so then backing up just or diving yeah. into that a bit more. So you in college decided I'm going to get into cell phones or that's kind of where my journey starts. And so does that just, Hey, I want to, were you a user of cell phones at the time? Were you just saying, hey, that's a cool technology? Do I see an opportunity here? Or kind of how did you jump into cell phones or what took you in that direction? Well, it actually started um, in college. My dad actually was talking to a wireless carrier and listening to what their problems were. And this is when I came up with this idea. And mm -hmm. I did an internship at the, at the university and got credit for it and so forth. And uh, it was kind of, it was, laugh that a bit. It's, it's kind of unorthodox to think you're going to take an IBM mainframe and shove it in a low computing phone and stuff way back when, but that's where it all started. And then I continued on. Um, it started out with some rental systems um, was really the thing they wanted to do was rent phones back then. And then it really diverged into a general expanse of prepaid wireless, use the money in your phone for stuff and things like that. So it's pretty cool. All right. So you jump into cell phones. And so was that your own, you started your own company then? Was that with your father? Yeah, yourself? Yeah. Yep. Yep. The, we partnered together and went ahead and did that. And it was called Telemac, Telephone McGregor. Okay. Yep. 
Yeah. So and you and then so you started out kind of hey let's see if we can make it so you're not going to only stay around in your little area and that you're not waiting four or five months or half a year for a bill and went into prepaid and then I think when we talked a little bit about the or before the podcast that you kind of gave up control little by little or gave it oh. up to someone else and then you know it's interesting them, right the journey had us you know with any startup I think sometimes people look at a success and think it happened overnight. Mm. And I, that's rare in my case, certainly not the case. <laughs> ten year, uh, overnight success, 10 years in the making? Yes, it's definitely more like that. So we were in a situation where, you know, we'd gone through four or five rounds of funding because you'd, you know, have a product that was successful and then it wasn't being bought and you'd go through another round trying to figure it out until we had this big hit. And uh, at the time, you know, we only had maybe you know, 10 people in the company, but we're making eight figures a month. Um, and so we had a group come in that uh, said, hey, we'll take you to the next level. And, and so we turned over control to them to do that. And that was a big mistake. <laughs> that was probably the biggest mistake that we've ever made. Um, mm. We should have just hired them as a consultant because we had the money and we had, we had had what it took to get to that point, you know? So you did that. So was it out of, you know, just and by no means insult intended, was it naivety that, hey, I think that they're just going to do a good job. They talk the talk, they walk the walk. Was it death by a thousand cuts to where they kept asking for more equity? Was it, you know, how did you, you know, if you have a company that's being successful, what, what motivated or prompted you to turn it over and how did you kind of lose that control to the yeah, market? So, you know, like, I think um, on, on the one hand, you know, the promise of doing an IPO and having the right IPO package um, mm. back then. Um, and, you know, for me personally, it's something I've always had to work on. I'm 100% trusting. You tell me that, I take it face value. I'm learning, I'm learning not to do that all the time going forward. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> yeah. So. So now you, so, and then they took it in a, if I understand right, they kind of took it in a different direction. You didn't just, go, it basically kind of drove it into they the ground. Just, that about they right? just ran the contracts they had and then didn't, didn't push it anywhere anymore forward. So eventually, you know, things die because that's, what's really important about a business products living, you know, come around and go. And you, it, even though you're in a startup, you've got, or your own company, you've got to continually come up with new products and new ways of selling. That's the whole name of the game. It's not just one. Yeah. No, and, and I, so <laughs> And I completely agree. I mean, it's kind of the old adage is because you know, if you're not growing, you're dying kind of a thing. But in a lot of industries, you either have to continue to innovate, continue to sell, continue to expand, or you start to shrink and eventually go away. So I think that's certainly a true adage. So, 100%. so you take that. And so now you, you've gone through, you, you know, the company goes into bankruptcy and, you know, you've lost, you kind of lost control and then the company got yep. taken into bankruptcy and you had to pick yourself up. First of all, you know, and I'm sure you're not the only entrepreneur that's had to go through that, you know, bankruptcy experience or losing the company losing, you know, control yeah. type of thing. Yeah. You know, how did you pick yourself up from that or how did you or figure out how to move forward? Um, I just, I just do it. You just get up and go. <laughs> I don't know any other option. You know, it's just, I'm always looking forward and pushing forward. So um yeah well, let just, me ask my question a different yeah. way so as you're doing that how did you how did you decide what to do next meaning okay oh. you go back and i'm gonna start a new cell phone company am i gonna go to a different industry am i gonna go work for a big business or how did you kind of okay gotcha yeah so i think at that time i decided uh, a job opportunity had come up at laurel space systems to to be the principal for um a software over satellite project 
And so I went off and uh, did that for a little while and didn't have the burden of the, uh, of, you know, the fundraising and running the company. So that was sort of a break before I went off to some more startups and then back into starting my own companies again. Mm, okay. So you took that break and yeah. how long did you do the break for? Before I, you mean before I got the itch for startup? <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> to finish my question, yes. how long did you take your, or take your break from startups before you went back to them? Probably about a year and a half. Yeah. So you take that, you know, go and go and work for someone else, do that for a period of time. And then you start to get the itch, you know, how did you, how did you arrive then? Okay. So you get the itch again. Was it just simply, Hey, I, I hate working for big other people, or I like working for myself, or I like the freedom, or I like to set my own direction or kind of when you say that itch, cause I mean, different people, or is it just, Hey, I think I can do this better. I can make more money because different people have different motivations for startups, right? Some of it is, I just love to invent others. It is. I want to make a lot of money. Others. It is. I think I can do it better. Or I'm smarter than everybody else. So kind of what was that itch for you or what motivated you to get jump back into startups? I, I would say there's at that point in time, it would be a different answer than this point in time. Um, but back then, you know, there was the whole IPO craze and so forth as well around 2000. So um, yeah, I jumped back into some startups, went through, went through one of the IPOs and, and then, um, then went off with a group of people uh, from, from the start and then went off to actually start my own after that. Um, I think that, so that was one of the motivations then, but I think over my career and looking at it now, um, there's a lot of, I'm just not built that way. In bigger companies, you know, there's a lot of process and things that are there to run something that some other inventor had come up with. And so they're just there executing and all I find, I find that interesting. I'm more driven to, to find that thing that can then grow into a big company, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more, I'm more attuned to, to see what needs to happen in the marketplace, go um, painstakingly try to pull it into the marketplace. Um, but then I'm not as excited about having to run a big company. Mm. Yeah. So you decided, okay, so now, now we're moving, you know, now, so we move forward, you've got that itch, you say, I'm going to go do my next startup, my next thing. How did you decide what was that next opportunity, where you're going to go and what you're going to focus on? Let's see, what was next? Um, we went to, let's see, my brothers and I uh, did a startup. Um, and we decided to get into the financial space. We decided credit card fraud was a big issue. And so we partnered with MasterCard to uh, bring biometrics to credit cards. So we, you'd have to use your thumbprint on a credit card to actually authenticate a transaction. So mm -hmm. we got that startup and we pushed that for a while. That was really fun. We got, you know, MasterCard on board and, and things moving quite along for a good period of time there. It was a lot of fun. So it was a lot of fun. So did you keep with it? Did it grow? Is it still live today? Or, you know, what happened is they yeah. got it going? So we, we actually had everything up and running and we were looking at, we had to get a large investor, which we had on the hook to, to uh, purchase the IP for the fingerprint sensors. Um, and so we were negotiating a deal to get that. There wasn't, there's not very much IP around fingerprint sensors. And I'll tell you one thing, uh, it all vanished the day that Apple bought it all for their iPhone. Um, so that really put a big damper on what we had um, to be able to push that project forward. So it did not succeed. Yeah. Okay. And you brought up, you know, one, and I, if people have it as part of the journey, I'd love to talk IP, but certainly not the focus of it. Yeah. But, you know, did you guys, 
go in and go in naively, not thinking you needed IP? Did you have your own IP and you got oh. into a point it was David and Goliath or, you know, kind of how did that play that, you know, kind of it got taken out from under you? Gotcha. Well, so from back in our prepaid days and so forth, I mean, I had a lot of patents and they were litigated over some of the laws changed due to it. So I was very well aware that we needed IP. And I guess what I'm talking about, and so we did put our IP together, our patents and so forth for uh, the biometric work. But uh, the IPM specifically talking about is around, you know, manufacturers of a thumbprint sensor itself. Um, it was too big of an ask for us to do that at the time. So that was a piece we were buying as a component. So we were going to buy exclusive rights to the fingerprint sensors and buy it up um, was our strategy. And uh, Apple beat us to the punch mm. and they went on to the iPhone. Opportunity <laughs> miss could have been great, you know right? But the thing is, is that's how it goes, right? I mean, you'll hit one, you'll miss one, you'll have a big win, and then you'll just, and then then you'll move on to something else, and you know, it's just the way it works. No, certainly agree. And there's always, you never know where the path's going to take, and you have to decide where, where, or how to pivot and adjust based on yeah. what what's thrown at you. So, so now, you know, Apple comes along, sweeps up all the IP, and you're saying, hey, this is just getting too hard to maneuver. We're not going to likely be able to compete against yeah. them. So. With that in mind, then what was uh, the next part of your journey and what did you do from there? Um, well, I, you know, I had decided to, um, at that point, I had been in um, a number of places and have a lot of great engineers and so forth. So I decided to start a, a software development company to do custom software and take all the skill sets for, to build some other people's products. So I've been doing that for a good decade now. Um, and having great success in the uh, artificial intelligence world um, for Fortune 500 companies and some startups. Um, but that journey too, it took me from building mobile apps to you know websites and so forth, but we really hunkered down on our AI expertise and you know getting, getting some success in the government space. And again, you know my personal itch has creeped up again. And so we're starting to, uh, we will be coming out with some products in that space. Um, cause I really do like the product revenue stuff as well. It's always a lot of fun to, to give birth to something. Hmm. Okay. So, so that brings it now. I think you, er, when we talked a little before, you also went on to do internet over satellite. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot completely about that. Well, that was the, the IPO I was talking about. Um, I went with a couple of guys down, um, down Silicon Valley to build a company called IBM broadcasting. And I had the experience from, Loral Space Systems to try to build internet uh, over satellite for streaming, uh, the streaming internet and streaming video and so forth. So we were at the time trying to push out streaming services to the edge because um, you had DSL or things you just couldn't, you couldn't get that streaming video. So it was a big streaming video company. Mm. Yeah, that was kind of fun. That was actually a lot of fun. That was a blast. <laughs> Yeah. So you did that and yeah. you know, and what happened to that company? So is it, you know, did they, it, did, they did it, is it growing, yeah. get acquired, shut down or what happened yeah, to it? No, it, uh, it, it went IPO got acquired by, I think it was Williams communications and continued on. And I don't know what, I don't know what's happened since. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so then you did that. So is it kind of, and on that one, so that one got acquired. Was it, Hey, we are, we've grown it to the point we, you know, we'd like to get out, start something new. Was it, Hey, we're, you know, we think this is a, too good of an offer to, to pass up or, you know, when you, when you get approached, did you guys seek yeah. out the offer? Did they seek you or how did that acquisition take place? I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. Um, 
I'm trying to remember exactly how that all went down. I think they just wanted to buy up the streaming services, if I recall. Um, I wasn't in the negotiation for at that time for the sale at that point. I had already moved on after the IPO and so forth to another another venture. Yep. So does that take so from there? Does that take you to where your venture is today, or it, it was? was I'm, yeah, I'm sorry with the timeline here. So from the IPO stuff there, then we went off to the biometric credit cards to build a product, and then I went off to the uh, custom software development. Hmm. Yeah. So so that's where now that's where you're at today. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Doing work in the government space and commercial world, the Fortune 500s and so forth. So now yeah. is that your and clarify for or help me clarify was that your own is that your own business are you doing consulting are you working for yeah you? how did you make or how did you proceed on that yeah no it's a hundred percent funded known by me mm-hmm. um so that makes it really easy to manage and um yeah and so now i'm also do the funding for um our products that we're coming out with um in the government space and the ai space okay so it's a little easier <laughs> No, the, the, hey, if you can get to where the government will pay to do money, it's a good revenue source and good revenue stream. On the other yeah. hand, it can sometimes be difficult to get into government stuff, but it's a good place to be. Uh, yeah, it's we've been at it for a little while here. We're just breaking ground. They say, you know, three to four years and we're about right there. Mm. Yep. yep. And, I th- and the one thing we talked a little bit about before, I think, if I remember right, is um, that, you, on, you know, you learned along the way – the, on this last venture, at least I think it was this last venture, you didn't necessarily take any investment dollars. You decided you were going to bootstrap it or otherwise keep it. Is that a fair assessment? Or how did you, as you learned along the way and you did the different ones, did you continue to take investment well, dollars or how did how'd that you go? You know, with, with investors, you know, when you do private investing, um, you can have some really good investors that help back in and that's really good money. You can have uh, investors that, uh, call you every single day and freaking out because they spent their life savings when they shouldn't have. <laughs> you can have, a, we had one investor that stole the money. Um, so we had to deal with all that. So it becomes, it becomes challenging. So what I'm, what I've decided to do now on this particular venture is not seek investment until I start getting some products up and they really need to grow after that. And mm. then I'll seek out the right investors. Okay. Makes, so, it, it, get, it lets me, it frees me up to focus more on the company without, without that extra burden. So, and for people, so in, I guess a couple of questions. So how do you decide when you're, you know, you kind of said you when you get some products up and running or is there a point that you will take investors or how do you weigh, because you kind of got competing interests, right? One hand, you'd love to yeah. keep control of your own business, be able to not have anybody else tell you how to navigate or, to, or how to perform. And then on the other hand, sometimes if you don't take investor dollars, it can handicap or hold the company back. So how for you, at least you'll make that decision or weigh the options. Um, I think we have, I mean, I have explored uh, at some point here, some investment for some of these products. Um, I think as they take off, they, we might actually form another company with a joint venture. We've talked about doing it with some event, uh, investors that way. Um, so I think there's a, <laughs> a blower going by outside. Sorry about that. That's all right. So adds a little bit to the ambiance. So. I guess so. <laughs> all right. So. So you do, you do all that. And so now, so taking the next, you know, investors, not investors, when it makes sense, when you need the money, when you don't, um, you know, take the next six months to a year, kind of as a looking forward looking, where do you see things headed for you? Well, we've been getting really good traction in the government space. And um, I, I expect to win some of these contracts and be able to flush out the rest of not only the products we're looking at in AI, but the, the future that they're looking for. 
And what's really nice about the government investing in terms of having that for them is that I can then turn around and apply that to the commercial space. So these cutting edge technologies, whether it's been Siri or you name it, have all had some government backing to get started somewhere. Hmm. Um, so I'm taking that strategy uh, for right now, but I fully foresee as we start approaching the commercial space, potentially looking at investment and so forth as well. Okay, make, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, so was we start to, to wrap towards the, the podcast, so now I always have two questions. You kind of already answered the one, but we'll, we'll hit on it again nonetheless. So the first question I always ask is, so what was the worst business decision you ever made? Yeah, I think turning over uh, to a group that could uh, potentially do an IPO for us that never did, you know, that turning over that control when, you know, we really could have actually hired them because we kind of knew what we were doing. You know, I think we rather would have partnered with them to do it or maybe structured a bit differently and not been as trusting. Um, that was probably the worst deci business decision today. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> to be frank, I had a great revenue streams going great, you know? <laughs> yeah. Only we, if only we had a time machine. So exactly. All right. So then we go the now the second question. So um, if you're now talking to someone that's uh, just getting going with startup or small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, I think that you have to realize if you're going to start a company, it takes time and effort. It's the, the comment you made before. You know that that big hit. It was all the ten years in the making. Mm. I mean, you have to stick to it. You have to adapt and change to the things that come to you because it's not going to be easy. Um, so yeah, just stick to it. Realize it takes time. All right. Great. And I think that, that that is certainly a trade. If you're going to be a successful entrepreneur or going to make a career out of it, you have to be willing to stick to it, be yeah. willing to navigate it, pivot, understand that things aren't always going to go your way. And that, that's the only way. Otherwise, if you, if you cave it the first time you hit a big uh, roadblock, you're never going to make it. You never will. That's exactly what you have to do. If you get stuck on your idea and don't budge, you're done. <laughs> exactly. So now, so people want to reach out to you. They want to find out more about your story. They want to learn more about your services or your, how you do in the government. They want to invest in you. They want to become an employee of yours. Anything you're all, all everything in between. How, what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, info at brightappsllc.com is the best way to get a hold of us. That's monitored and someone will get back to you whether you're applying for a job, want a partner or whatever. All right. Well, I certainly encourage people to reach out to the air and connect up. So, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, enjoyed to have me on. Now, for those of you that are, um, have your own journey to tell and would like to come on the podcast, always feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. Apply to be on the show. And if you have, if you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can get notifications when all the new episodes come out. And lastly, if you never ever need any help with patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law and we'd love to help you. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your journey and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. All right. Thanks, Amelia. It's been fun. Thank you.